Okay, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. We are continuing with Rumi's son, and we are on page five, with the discourse that is called The Mirror. Okay. Okay. Even if you prostrate yourself a hundred times in front of a mirror, it won't flatter you. If any ugliness begins to appear on the mirror, know that it's, it's your own. Don't blame the mirror. If you, if you say to it, hide that defect on his face from him, because he is my friend, it says impossible. He said, now, friend, you say, put the mirror into my hand so that I may look. I can't find a reason not to. I can't deny your request. Yet, in his heart, he is thinking, let me find some excuse not to give you a mirror. Because if it says that there is something wrong with your face, perhaps you won't be able to bear it. And if you say, and if you then say it's the mirror that's defective, it will only be worse for you. But again, love doesn't allow me to find any excuse. I say, okay, let me give you the mirror, but if you see some fault on its face, don't blame the mirror. Find the fault with that which is reflected on the mirror. Know that it is it has appeared there from your own image. Find the fault within yourself. The only condition by, by which I agree to offer the mirror is that you don't find fault with the mirror. And if you are unable to find fault within yourself, then put the burden on me, as I am the owner of the mirror. Don't say the mirror is defected. Defected. Um, do you want me to stop? Yeah, I accept the condition, I promise. Give me the mirror. I can't wait any longer, he said. Again, the heart of the mirror owner hesitates. Let me find some pretext to avoid the situation. The work of the mirror is subtle, but still, love doesn't allow us any excuse. Okay, let's remember the condition once again, the mirror owner said, and gave the following advice. The condition and the agreement and the agreement is that no matter what de- defect you see, you will not throw the mirror on the ground. You won't destroy its jewel essence, even though its jewel essence is unbreakable. God forbid, said the person. I would never intend or even think of such a thing. Now let me have the mirror so that I can prove to you my good manners and you can witness my fidelity. But if you break it, its essence is this great, and its cost is this much. And he brought witnesses and evidence for its value. Then, after all these words, when the person was given the mirror, the mirror owner ran away. Then that person said to himself, if this mirror were so valuable, why did he leave it and run away? Why has it begun to break? When he held it in front of his face, what he saw was ugliness. He wanted to throw the mirror to the ground, crying, such agony because of this. But he recalled his agreement, the bill of sale, the witness, and the money he would have to pay for the crime of destroying the mirror. He said, I wish there had been no conditions, no witnesses, no money involved, so that I could cool my heart and do what needs to be done. While he was saying this, the mirror was rebuking him with the tongue of its state. You see, what did I do to you, and what are you doing to me? You love yourself and are finding fault with the mirror because the one who loves himself respects only his nafs while the one who loves the mirror renounces both. This mirror is reality itself. He thinks the mirror is something other than himself. Even so, just as he is inclined towards the mirror, the mirror is inclined towards him because he is inclined inclined towards the mirror. The mirror is inclined towards him. If he had broken the mirror, he would have he would have broken me too. Wasn't it said, I am I am with those who have been broken? 
In short, it's impossible for the mirror to incline towards itself. It is like a touchstone or a balance scale. It always inclines towards the truth. If you, tell, if you try to tell it, oh scale, weigh this less is more, still it will only show the truth. Even if you were to coddle it or prostrate yourself in front of, the, in front of it for 200 years. Okay. Very good. So this is a big essay. The idea of the mirror is something that you find very, very frequently in this type of literature, right? And the mirror is a number of things. At one level, the mirror is your heart, and it is reflecting reality, meaning it is reflecting the divine. Okay? So the more pure your heart is, the more purely you're going to reflect the divine, okay? Uh, which also means the more purely you're going to see things around you. Okay. If your mirror is, if your heart is corrupted, then it's like a mirror that is kind of dirty, right, uh, or smudged, and so that affects how you see reality, which then affects how you see the divine. So part of the goal uh, for someone in their in their process of serving the divine is to become more and more internally pure, and so this we call purification in Arabic tazkiyah, purification. Okay. So it says, even if you prostrate yourself a hundred times in front of a mirror, it's not going to flatter you. So a lot of times we fall into the trap of thinking, okay, if I make all of my prayers, then I'm an awesome person. Okay? But if I still have these character flaws, they're still going to be there. Right? And so if in any ugly, ugliness begins to appear on the mirror, know that it is your own. Okay? This is your own ugliness. Don't blame the mirror. If you say to it, hide that defect on its face from him because he's my friend, it says impossible. And so really think about this as you're looking at the world around you. What you notice reflects what's going on inside. So if you look at the world around you and you see it as a place of corruption and evil people, it doesn't necessarily mean that people are actually evil. This is more indicating what's going on inside of you, which doesn't necessarily mean that you're evil. It could mean that you're in pain or you're angry. But the point is that all of our experiences are subjective. Okay. I see according to what is inside of me. Okay. So he said, now your friends, you say, now friend, you say, put the mirror into my hand so that I may look. I can't find a reason not to. I can't deny your request. Yet in his heart, he is thinking, let me find some excuse not to give you the mirror. Because if it says that there is something wrong with your face, perhaps you won't be able to bear it. And if you then say it's the mirror that's effective, it will only be worse for you. So, sometimes people are asking for your trust. Like, share something about yourself. This is part of the nature of friendship, right? But when you're in friendship, you are in a state of vulnerability, right? And this is something that you see more and more with younger and younger people, starting with, you know, the college-age students, but even younger. People don't want to be vulnerable. And thus, to prevent being vulnerable, they'll actually keep their distance from people. Because when you get close to someone, you get more and more vulnerable because you are entrusting a piece of yourself to that person. You know, someone was sharing with me, you know, something, uh, she was sharing with me a story about, she shared with one of her friends some really vulnerable truth about herself, something she struggles with. And the friend started telling everybody, right? And the person who shared thought, you know, wh why are you sharing this? To the point that she froze, because like, she didn't even know how to, how to address it because that's a very vulnerable part of her, right? 
And so we're speaking again then about this issue uh, or this idea of connecting with people. That part of connecting with people, part of connecting with friends is you are sharing your vulnerability with your friend. Your friend is sharing your vulnerability with you and you're also reflecting each other. Okay. So love doesn't allow me to find any excuse. I say, okay, uh, let me give you the mirror. So, so sometimes part of vulnerability is that someone's going to judge us. Right? I'm sharing this about you. Like every one of us is complicated. Every single one of us is complex. And we have aspects about ourselves, whether it's our personality or our history or our story, that we tend to keep to ourselves. Right? But the second you share it, you're making yourself vulnerable because now you're showing a piece of you that's beyond performance. Because we're all performing all the time, right? And, and so now you're afraid that they're going to change their opinion of you. Like your opinion's going to lower. Okay. Uh, but a way to bypass that is by way of love. That when you have love for someone, that's different than trust. When you have love for someone, then all of those uh, edges of a person are also part of that person. Right? And you know that, yeah, it's an edge, it's a sharp edge, but it's still part of what makes this person. So I say, okay, let me give you the mirror, but if you see some fault on its face, don't blame the mirror, find the fault with that which is reflected in the mirror, know that it has appeared there from your own image, find the fault within yourself. So this is another lesson then. Look at the people with whom you have any interaction and look at how you judge them. Not like how much do you judge them, look at what you notice about them, because that's actually a sign within yourself. Like, if you look at somebody that you know and think, why is that guy showing off? That's actually you, projecting yourself onto them, okay? Because this, this goes back to the teaching of, of, a, of the prophet, peace be upon him, where he says, believers are mirrors for each other. And so the point being that what you see in someone else is, uh, as a flaw is actually a flaw within yourself, okay. um, whether you admit it to yourself or not. So part of what you're noticing when you look at the world around you is what is it that you need to fix within yourself? Okay. And do that experiment. Think of, think of some of your friends and think and don't look for flaws in them, but think of what you notice as flaws. And ask yourself the brutal question, is that something within inside of me? Usually the answer is going to be yes, whether we want to admit it or not. The only condition by which I agree to offer the mirror is that you don't find fault with the mirror. And if you are unable to find fault within yourself, then put the burden on me as I am the owner of the mirror. Don't say the mirror is defective. So... Another way to think about this is that, okay, the problem is not with God. The problem is with yourself. Or the problem is with me. I'm the one you're looking at, but the problem is not with God. Okay. So all, part of this is also conditioning of you try to always have a good opinion of God. Okay. And, I mean, one of the attributes that's repeated over and over again for, about God is merciful, 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 merciful. And so it's almost like you have to condition yourself to have a good opinion of God, which also helps you become more honest with your own condition. Okay. So, so now this person is saying, okay, I accept the condition, give me the mirror, I can't wait any longer, and the heart of the mirror owner hesitates, let me find some pretext to avoid the situation. The work of the mirror is subtle. So what else is also taking place? When you are entrusting someone with some of your vulnerability, because it's vulnerability, you're opening the door for a massive break between two people. Because out of a way to defend yourself and protect yourself when you're sharing a vulnerability and that vulnerability, vulnerability gets threatened, then you might try extra hard to protect yourself, which means you might lash at the person. 
So that's also the delicacy of friendship, right? Which also is very much true in our era that people drop their friendships very, very quickly because uh, they're too vulnerable in their vulnerability to, to tolerate any criticism. So this person keeps asking and the, the holder of the mirror keeps uh, stalling. And so then he says, okay, the condition is that no matter what defect you see, you're not going to throw the mirror on the ground. You won't destroy its jewel essence, even though its jewel essence is unbreakable. Meaning, again, I'm sharing this with you, but you're not going to fall into despair. Right? Think about this in terms of receiving criticism from, from a close friend. Criticism always stings. Good. Uh, but a lot of times it's true. And it's from someone you appreciate, someone who you know loves you, someone who you know wants what's best for you, then it's probably true, right? And sometimes those are the things that sting the most because it's from someone who knows you. And you'll see many, many times, and you've probably experienced it over the course of your years, that when you do share criticism with someone, that person just loses their mind, right? In fact, earlier this week, I had someone visit my office with that exact situation. This one person who has no problem dishing out criticism to everyone else, but if you give even a slight criticism to that person, they just, you know, they, get, they go ballistic, right? So, <clears throat> so the point is that the person who wants the mirror says, okay, I never intend such a thing. Let me have the mirror so I can show you my good manners. You can see my fidelity. But if you break it, its essence is great and its cost is this much. And brought with witnesses and evidence for its value, meaning everyone who truly appreciates what friendship truly is, how sacred it is, how valuable it is, can appreciate how sacred and valuable it is. Then, after all these weird, uh, words, when the person was given the mirror, the mirror ran away. The mirror owner ran away. Then that person said to himself, if this mirror is so valuable, why did he leave and run it away? Has it begun to break? When he held it in front of his face, what he saw was ugliness. He wanted to throw the mirror on the ground crying, such agony because of this. So what are we saying? That sometimes, you know, if you ask a person, it's like, you know, if you ask someone, okay, do I look ugly in this? Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you really want the answer? Because what if the answer is actually yes? Right. And so this guy's saying, okay, you sure you want to know? You sure? Yeah, I want to know. You sure? Yeah, I want to know. Yeah, it's ugly. And the person ran away. Because they, they know you can't take it. And so this person who notices uh, their own ugliness says, well, I made the commitment. I wish there was no conditions, but I have to accept it. So the mirror says, you see, what did I do to you and what are you doing to me? You love yourself and are finding fault with the mirror because the one who loves himself respects only his nafs, while the one who loves the mirror renounces both. So what are we saying here? What is it that makes it so hard for me to accept criticism? It's self-love, narcissism. Here it's called love of the nafs. And so narcissism can also be self-loathing. Self-loathing is a type of narcissism because you're still focusing excessively on yourself. Self-love is narcissism because you're focusing uh, effectively, ex uh, excessively on yourself. In both cases, it is hard to accept criticism. But that's what you want. One of the greatest things you can get from someone, and I'm not inviting you to do this to each other, one of the greatest things you can get from someone who respects you, who loves you, is criticism. Okay. I'm sorry? So we do that a lot. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I think we're, we're good on that one. <laughs>
Okay, you guys got that covered. Yeah. And, and the point is, you know, your own personal self-improvement. The mirror is reality itself. He thinks the mirror is something other than himself. Just so he's inclined toward the mirror, the mirror is inclined towards him. Because he is inclined toward the mirror, the mirror is inclined towards him. If he had broken the mirror, it would have broken me too. He wasn't said, I'm with those who have been broken. So, this is another point that when you go through the difficulties of life, those big heavy things that hit you, uh, the divine is also with you. So ultimately, what is your goal with purity of your heart is to be able to see that the divine is with you. That's the real goal of purification. Okay. Um, shall we do another one? Okay. Okay, so the next one on page 7 is called Be Honest. Mavlana Jalaluddin Rumi expressed such gratitude to you. Just listening to him and receiving his generosity and kindness when we went there together pleased us so much that we did not want to leave. Remember that people are easily pleased when even hypocritically you, flat, you flatter them. And when you pay attention to them, even just by listening to what they have to say, it pleases them. Otherwise, they quickly get bored with the conversation. But even if people get along with, well with us, we have to be honest. Always to behave with honesty is, the right, is right for the human being. As God said to his prophet, be honest as you have been commanded to be. You are honest. Stay honest. Demonstrate honesty. No, ma no matter how much I call something crooked straight, it won't change. Um, Next page, yeah. The mirror is inclined. Oh, wait, wait. That's, oh, that's it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, my pages are out of order. So. <laughs> Mashallah. Okay. So, so here, Rumi, who is Shams's friend, Shams's student, um, says uh, he's, or he's grateful. Listening to him, receiving his generosity... And kindness, when we went together, pleased us so much that we, we didn't want to leave. So this is a very, very close friendship. They, want, they don't want to leave each other's um, you know, uh, presence. People are easily pleased even when hypocritically you flatter them and when you pay attention to them. Even just by listening to what they have to say, it pleases them. Otherwise, they quickly get bored with the conversation, which is why this guy over here is yawning. <laughs> just kidding. Okay, so, 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 so then what I need to do is compliment him. You know, that's a nice jacket. You know. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I like I like what you do with your hair and everything. Awake, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Now he's <laughs> wide awake. No, but the point is that um, uh, when people compliment us, naturally, uh, we get more intrigued. Sometimes we might condition ourselves that if we get a compliment, we you know we don't accept it, we turn away from it, right? But there's a part of us that that leans more towards it, and this goes back to self-love. A person loves to hear their own name. A person loves to hear about themselves. Okay. And then if they have to shift the conversation to someone else, then they start getting bored. Okay. But the thing is, you have to be honest. And this, this part is, this, is a, this uh, discourse is pretty straightforward. Okay. You are honest, stay honest. Demonstrate honesty. No matter how much I call something crooked straight, it won't change it. So this is, this is straightforward. That is, someone is looking for an answer from you. Um, you should give them the correct answer. Why? This is obvious because if they find out that you were lying or if they find that you're exaggerating later on, it'll shake the relationship. Right? Breach. Breach. Yeah. 
Okay, uh, what's the, t uh, the title of the next one? Dervish Words. Dervish Words. Dervish Words. All right, who wants to read that one? I can do it. Okay. It's nice to read out loud and not have to yell. <laughs> Dervish Words. The one, is the, the one is the one of the pure attributes of the glorious and powerful. God, one of his happy, happy names, who are you and what is your world? These are the words spoken by, by the truth full of wisdom. Others are indications of the great ones. Yes, they are, but come which one, which word is yours. I speak from my own state. I don't hold on to those words. If you ha also have something to say, tell me. If sometimes words become subtle, then for the sake of bringing witness, witnesses, as, as Medlana has said, one has to steal the words of the Quran or the Hadith of Muhammad so that their meaning might be explained. This is what is appropriate. Someone said, he has both beautiful, I don't know how to pronounce Jamal. That. Jamal. Oh, so phonetically. Yeah. <laughs> and stringent. Jamal. Jalal. Jalal attributes. Among his beautiful attributes is his modesty, and among his stringent aspects is his unrelentingness. But his stringency outweighs his beauty. But one thing about you is that you are not resentful. The fact that you don't bear a grudge is better than a thousand other attributes. Why were you left in fear and panic because I didn't speak with you for a few days? This is an, what, this yeah. is an extremely good sign, sorry. When I ask you to speak, my intention is to show you that the meaning is like a trigger that we don't tiger. control. Oh, tiger. Thank you. Um, when I ask you to speak, my intention is to show you that the meaning is like a tiger that we don't control. I only have some power over words. Call it the powerful of the meaning or call it divine assistance. Sometimes I just throw words forth and there are no other words like them. We trick some of the meaning to come out, but others don't. When you speak as if you are speaking my words, how full of meaning and beautiful it is. Just as you were speaking to the dervish the other day, how many meanings showed themselves? Doors open and wide views are revealed. All right. So a dervish is like an ascetic, right? Someone who gives up the world and is just wandering um, in theory in service to the divine. Dervishes in a lot of Muslim communities are, looked, are frowned upon because sometimes they're looked at as hustlers pretending to be pious. But the actual ideal dervish is someone who is literally given up all attachment to the world. So like a missionary? So a missionary is, uh, is preaching, so a dervish is not necessarily preaching, but in the sense of the missionary just giving up everything and traveling. It's like a missionary slash vagabond. Yeah, exactly, like a missionary slash vagabond, in the sense that the dervish like doesn't... Sorry? Perhaps like a monk, yeah. But like there isn't a necessarily a destination. Okay. Right? So... The one is one of the pure attributes of the glorious and powerful God, one of his happy names. Okay? And this is another uh, point to think about, that the default way we said you should have a good opinion of God, and when you hear the attributes of God, you should equate them with happiness, with felicity, okay? even if it is a very tough name. So who are you and what is your wor world? Word. These are the words spoken by the truth, full of wisdom. Others are indication indications of great ones. Yes, they are, but come, which one, which word is yours? So what are your attributes then? I speak from my own state. So we spoke about the mirror reflecting what you are, 
and it reflects how you look at everything around you. If you were to define yourself with one word, and think about it, take some time, it's actually a tough exercise, uh, in part because we're all so complicated, and in part because it might require us to choose something that we may not want to face. So if you were to look at yourself, all of your attributes, think to yourself, what is your dominant attribute? Whatever it is, okay? In your personality, in your work ethic, in your disposition, try to figure out what's dominant. If you look at the trajectory of your life, if you were to put it into one word or one sentence, think about what that would be. Because okay? these are also actually things you have control over. But usually we don't exercise control over them because either we're fixed on a goal or we just live life and we don't think about any of these things. But this is your life to take control over. Okay, so if you you also have something to say, tell me if some word, sometimes words become subtle, then for the sake of bringing witnesses, as Mavlana has, one has to seal the words of the Quran, the Hadith of Muhammad, peace be upon him, so that their meanings might be explained. This is what is appropriate. So... We have so many attributes of God. We have so many words of the Quran. Okay. Start yourself by figuring out where you are. So suppose one person's dominant personality is anger. That's where they are. That's what they need to work on. Okay. Or their dominant personality is confusion or apathy. Whatever it is. Again, it's hard to sum up a person in one word. But try it as an exercise, even if we made it a list of 20 words. Or even if you made it a list of 99 words. What are you? And seriously, try it. Uh, it might be a really huge learning experience. Because then the Quran and the teachings of the Quran and the Prophet, peace be upon him, are there to transform that list of 99 to something closer to like the attributes of God. You don't become God. But one of the functions of the attributes of God is to understand the attributes of perfection. Okay. So he has two types. You can categorize all the attributes of God into two categories. Beauty, and here it's astringency or majesty and power. So Jamal and Jalal. So beauty attribute, attributes are, are, are his modesty. So modesty, how do you define modesty in our language? Like, what does that mean? What does it mean to be modest? I mean, to dress modestly or just... Mm -hmm. Like, um, or I associate it with someone who is like quiet or mm -hmm. respectful and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. passive. Yeah, and so here modesty is synonymous with beauty. Yeah, and all those points that you mentioned relate to subtlety, right? Mm -hmm. Not being ostentatious, not being aggressive, but he also has those attributes which here he's translating as stringent. Uh, but would also be the attributes of power, the attributes of majesty. So both sides are God. And if you think about a king, the one side the king has all this power, on the other side the king has you know, a wonderful crown, wonderful throne, is very generous, right? So God is the ultimate king, both in Christianity and Islam, you speak of the divine as the king of kings, right? And so here it says his stringency outweighs his beauty. This doesn't mean that his stringency is more than his beauty. Because for us, the actual outlook is that his beauty is more than his, his stringency. But the one you feel more is often his stringency, right? Like if it's sunny every single day and pleasant, you're gonna notice when it rains. Right? So 
One thing about you is that you're not resentful. The fact that you don't bear a grudge is better than a thousand other attributes. Why were you left in fear and panic because I didn't speak with you for a few days? This is an extremely good sign. So, not bearing a grudge. What does it mean to hold a grudge? How would you answer that? Being upset and mad at someone for a long time. For what? For any reason, but mm-hmm. usually that reason is lost within the... It eventually might get lost. So when you're holding a grudge against someone, usually the sentiment is that they did something wrong, maybe to you, right. or maybe in themselves, and now you have this resent against them. Okay. Like you said, over time, even the reason might get, might get uh, forgotten, but you're holding this almost like you're waiting for vindication. Almost like you're waiting for an apology, or almost like you're waiting for vengeance. If you can clear your heart of that, it's saying that's better than a thousand other attributes. So there's a famous case of the prophet, peace be upon him, saying, if you want to see a person in paradise, look at that person who's walking by. And the companions got perplexed. They thought, why is that person so special? And one of the companions starts following him to see what does he do that I don't do. And he's following him throughout the day, watching him in his prayers and everything. He's not doing anything out of the ordinary. By the end of the day, this guy, this companion walks up to that guy and says, okay, the prophet, peace be upon or can I ask you, like, what do you do? And the guy's like, what are you talking about? He says, because uh, the prophet, peace be upon him, said all kinds of wonderful things about you. And, and everything I see, you just seem like a regular guy. And the guy says, well, maybe it's because at night when I'm going to sleep, I try to release all of my grudges against everybody. And I ask God to even bless and forgive all those people that I have grudges against. See if you can bring yourself to do that. Not an easy thing. As you get older, it gets harder. Why does it get harder when you're older? Because a lot of those things get deep deep set inside of you. Oh, okay. And you all start to start getting more complicated. And you would think you get stronger and more resilient through life. I think your peak in resilience is probably in your 30s. And then you start literally start going downhill. Like so by the time you get to your sixties, you become super sensitive like like a, a thirteen year old. Okay. Yeah. We'd like to think that you keep going up and up and up and up. Because I'm even watching how things play out in my brain. I'm like, whoa, this is actually strange. Because I just assume by the time you're like eighty years old you got life figured out and everything. <laughs> no, it's like you peak and then you start getting weak. You're trying yeah. to say that you're hitting that, that peak? Yeah, I'm saying I'm an old man. Yeah. Oh, I'm saying I've long you're, past you're, the peak. You're hitting the peak. Oh, nice. <laughs> generosity. I will not hold any grudges you're against you. You're not going to yawn anymore, right? Uh, I will probably yawn very quickly, yeah. yeah. And so, <clears throat> so then he's saying, why are you left in fear and panic because I didn't speak with you for a few days? This is an extremely good sign. So, suppose someone's not talking to you. Okay. Naturally, how are we going to feel? Like, all right, did I make them upset? You know, did I do something wrong? Are they talking to someone else? And so also a good sign is to be comfortable in your own skin. To think, no, everything's good, inshallah. Right? Um, but that also takes some internal development. So one part of internal development is not to hold a grudge against someone when they've done something wrong. Another is to not to be in panic thinking that there's something wrong. Okay. Another way to think about this is that if there is something wrong, you're going to find out. Why be worried? Not easy to do. When I ask you to speak, my intention is to show you that meaning is like a tiger we don't control. I only have some power over words. Call it the power of meaning or call it divine assistance. This especially plays out in texting, right? I say my words, but it's like a tiger out of control. How you receive them will often be completely different than what I mean. 
And that's also the case in conversation. Right. So then what should I do? I should make it my default to try to always spin everything towards the positive. Okay. To spin everything towards the sympathetic. Otherwise, I might fly off the handle and lose my mind. Right. So he says, I just throw words forth and there are no words like them. We trick some of the meanings to come out, but others don't when you speak as if you are speaking my words. How full of meaning and beautiful it is. Just as you were speaking to that dervish the other day, how many meanings showed themselves, doors open and wide views are revealed. So if you can find the true meaning of what someone's trying to say, then you have connection. So this, 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 uh, this uh, passage, uh, on the one hand, is we said it's about dervishes who are wandering around, and one part of it is to figure out what are you really at your core. Okay. Another part of it is communication. And you put those two together, what you are in your core will influence how you receive communication. Okay. And do that as an exercise. If, like, if I said, make a list of your hundred attributes, right? These hundred attributes define Furhan. These hundred attributes define Alex, right? Try to do that as an exercise, which, like I said, might be more frightening, especially when you get to the nitty gritty. Okay. Any questions or thoughts? Okay, uh, let's stop right here. So let's make a note that we are on, what page is that? Seven. Seven, so we were on compounding the good. All right, subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk wa akhir da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Why does somebody have checks next to them? Like, oh, focusing.